0: Hey, everybody. It's a Tuesday. It is the politics podcast on the uh, Vote Common Good podcast network. Dan, how are you this morning? Doing great. Yeah, week is off to a great start. We're without our fearless leader today. Doug is on a, a working vacation. Yeah, he, maybe yeah. he's on a plane right now, headed to parts unknown. And, uh, you know, we decided not to try to patch him in from the plane instead... <laughs> yeah. We we'd fly this one without him, and uh, that
1: yeah, would have been got kind of funny to try to use the airplane internet and just have him with his phone, <sighs> right, squeezed in between two other people. Yeah, that would have been amazing.
0: <laughs> but you know, well, we can handle it. I think it'll him. be all right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be okay. Dan, how's the weather in Michigan?
1: Oh, one of my favorite things to talk about on this podcast is the <laughs> weather every day. <laughs> Yeah, let's not talk about the weather. How'd you spend your uh, How'd you spend your President's Day? Uh, well, it was a pretty chill day. The kids had school, but my wife, who teaches in a different district, did not have school. So it's kind of a nice, quiet day at home. Got some stuff done. Yeah, our uh, our
0: daughter did not have school. We had our our son was home for the weekend, and uh, so my day started early, taking him to the airport so he could fly back to New York City, where he lives. And uh, then, you know, I just I did a little work. But I just, I, I didn't feel a lot of pressure yesterday. I just kind of moved through the day, mm-hmm. did the work I had to do, and you know, it was, it was kind of nice. Uh, but I'll tell you, I've been looking forward to today. Today's a big day for me, Dan. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time coming. Today is the day that uh, I get to see Bruce Springsteen in concert.
1: That's today.
0: That's today. Oh, I'm so jealous. I'm, yeah, I'm super excited. I have, i you know, I'm a huge YouTube fan, which I can talk about since Doug is not on the podcast today and he's not a YouTube fan. Huge YouTube fan, seen them in, in concert many times. Huge Bruce Springsteen fan, mm. never have seen Bruce in concert. Oh, man. And, uh, and for a while, that's been the concert that, uh, I've been looking forward to. And, and I've said to my wife, if he ever goes back on, on tour, you know, I'm going, we're going, we're going. And, uh, And so we're going uh, tonight in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We will, uh, we will be jamming out with the Easter Street Band. Uh, Oh, excited for you. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, I would
1: love to see him as well.
0: Yeah, well, I, I hear that Doug's got some extra tickets for when he's going to be in St. Paul. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> if I could just
1: drive up there real quick, <laughs> catch him up there. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, listen, we've got some stuff to talk about today. There's uh, there's some things going on, but I'd, I'd love to start by talking about, uh, you know, yesterday being President's Day, news over the weekend that uh, that former President Jimmy Carter uh, is entering hospice care yeah. at the age of 98. And, uh, you know, Dan, I, I gotta say that I, I'm not sure there is a person in my life, certainly not like a politician or, you know, a famous person that I have had a bigger change of opinion on Mm -hmm. over the course of my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, I was raised like you were in a conservative, uh, Evangelical home, Um, mine might even been a little bit more fundamentalist than (laughs) yours, Um, but conservative both theologically and politically and uh, boy Jimmy Carter was just hated, hated, mocked as the worst president in the history of the country, Um, just maligned constantly, was the butt of every joke and well, maybe not every joke, but you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. there was just this complete and utter hatred for Jimmy Carter. Um, you know, coupled with a a love for Ronald Reagan, um, but just an utter hatred for Jimmy Carter. Were you were you raised with that with that kind of thing too? I sort of
1: missed out on that. There was just, you know, a vague sense of like, oh, he you know, one of the the bad guys. But just yeah. No detail to it, and so yeah. most of my Jimmy Carter knowledge is like way after he was president, and you know all the Habitat for Humanity stuff, and yeah. so pretty positive. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't know a whole lot about his presidency. I mean, it was a one term. Well, I'm
0: I'm I'm about to uh, I'm about to recommend a documentary. Okay, for you, but uh, yeah, and it's one you'd be interested in. But uh, yeah, so. <laughs> He, for me, the shift on Jimmy Carter started, you know, through the result of his his post-presidency. And and I think, you know, like he's beyond criticism now in terms of his post-presidency showing that, you know, for all these years since he was president, devoting himself to Really significant causes, especially Habitat for Humanity, working into his late 90s on on homes for people, being a champion for for Habitat, which is really a remarkable thing. And that you know causes you to say, well, maybe maybe I've I've read this guy wrong. And then Vanessa and I watched a couple of years ago a documentary called Rock and Roll President. <laughs> it's about Jimmy Carter's relationship with. Uh, with famous musicians and rock stars and country stars and talks about his, his run for governor, his run for president, his reelection, all of it. And holy cow, if Jimmy Carter were to run for president, like in 2024, he would be my guy. Really? Like, I Yes, I was, I was amazed at how, like how progressive, how Politically astute, how ahead of his time he was, and how he was advocating for stuff that I advocate for all the time now. But he was doing it back (laughs) in the 70s, and I was just completely out of the loop. And yeah, just blown away at how, like, oh my goodness, this would be my guy. And then you layer on top of that, just like, not just that, you know, he was. You know, and it had an amazing post-presidency, you know, policies lined up. And then, you know, I read things like I did this morning and I, I retweeted this. Uh, this is a, a tweet from a, a lady named Kate Donahoe. In 1971, as a part of a prisoner trustee program, then governor of Georgia, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter hired Mary Prince to be their daughter's nanny after she'd been convicted of manslaughter. The Carters were so convinced of Prince's innocence and the racism intrinsic to her conviction that after being inaugurated in 1977, President Carter requested he be personally appointed her parole officer so that she could move to the White House and continue caring for Amy. After a re-examination of evidence, Mary Prince was later exonerated of all charges and offered a full pardon by the state of Georgia she has remained close to the Carter family to this day, has even babysat their grandchildren and great grandchildren. Wow, I love that. We are we are not worthy of Jimmy Carter.
1: <laughs> All right, I got one more Jimmy Carter story. I saw this a while ago when I was uh, I just watched Chernobyl. Yeah, American. the one on HBO. Yeah, yeah, Super really good.
0: Yeah, and then really good. It went
1: down the whole nuclear disaster rabbit hole, and lo and behold. Are you familiar with this? So Jimmy Carter helped. Oh yeah, like fix a nuclear meltdown. Yeah, like nuclear yep. meltdown hero. Then he goes on, becomes president. Then he does yep. all these nice things yep. to, you know, wrongfully imprisoned people and
0: yep. houses. And then
1: he was he was
0: president during the Three Mile Island crisis as well. Um, when you've got a nuclear yeah. reactor, you know, melting down kind of nice to have a president who's got a clue about, uh, right. about things. Yeah. So, I mean, Jimmy Carter, uh, you know, just have come to love him and appreciate him in ways that, uh, you know, 17 year old me would be horrified about, but that's okay. Yeah. Can we talk about an, an another Georgian who, um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure my opinion of her is going to be changing much. Um, Maybe it it's pretty up. set in stone at this point. I'd be a little shocked if it changes, especially because uh, she. Well, let's just read the tweet, can we? This is. It comes from Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. We need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states, and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this from the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies. We are done. Dan, <laughs> listen, I understand that, you know, Twitter is what Twitter is. And this I, is this Twitter? Or, yeah. Yes, this is Twitter. It's yep. social. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I understand that, that, you know people don't take twitter seriously and and maybe for good reason is this a i, I don't want to read too much into it i don't want to is this a congressperson a sitting member of the united states congress advocating
1: for a second civil war at least a uh, you know secession like at least she's calling for the dissolving of the union like that seems like uh kind of un-American, kind of against the Constitution, which everyone seems to love, you know, kind of against that whole United States idea. But <laughs> And then part of me is kind of like, you know what, maybe that'd be all right if you all just took your toys and
0: no, went somewhere
1: no. else. But then, no. <laughs> just for a split second, because yeah. then you yeah. remember, oh, this isn't actually divided by states it's each state yeah. is a mixture yeah. of people and obviously yes. the people on the margins would suffer the most if this sort of thing happened
0: yes yes every every state is a purple state to some yeah. degree or another um yeah this is um i i mean i barely have words to, to talk about this this is such an offensive public statement from a united states congressperson yeah i mean this is okay first of all the notion of a national divorce um well, I hey, it's, marjorie. It's marjorie, real dumb. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work that way <laughs> it's, it's i just think about that commercial it's not how any of this works um it's just not how any of this works nope. um there's no way that this could be amicable you know to keep the divorce metaphor in place <laughs> shrinking the federal government marjorie do you know how the both the overreach and the size of the federal government grew during donald trump's presidency like this um, the, you know it's this boogeyman everything in this tweet is wrong yeah. it, it's just this boogeyman everyone i talk to says this no, no they, they don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the rhetorical device of majority building. I have you ever do you, have you ever had someone in your life who does this? What what you know they instead of advocating for their own opinion, they will they will you know claim that they've talked to other people who agree with them. And you know this was yep. a rhetorical vice device that Donald Trump used all the time. Many, I actually to coat. many people are saying that mm-hmm. yeah. I had a I had a coworker who would do this, and uh, it was super frustrating mm. and really difficult because it's it's you can't argue with that you can't. So when Vanessa and I got married, we we kind of stumbled on this idea that when we have fights, um, we should have rules, and you know, boxing has rules, you know. MMA has rules, you know. War Even has rules. War, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only thing that doesn't have any rules is when you know partners fight with each other, um, and so uh, so we set up some rules that uh, for our fighting and that have served us well over the years. And um, one of them is you can't use the words always or never, hmm. um, because when you make you know when you say you always do that or you never do that. Just doesn't doesn't help you solve the problem at all right. because the fight immediately becomes about oh no 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 what about what about you, the you time know, the blah. yeah it's this one every it's everyone I talk to everyone everyone <laughs> why are everyone, you the only
1: one saying it from Congress yeah yeah everyone you talk to really everyone and also like how no, does wait, she want the, this to go. Because so many red states are supported and funded yes. by wealthier blue states. Yeah. Talk about a yep. welfare state. Like a lot of these red states are getting getting their money from federal dollars.
0: Yep. And then you know, and then the final part of this, from the sick and disgusting woke culture issues, <sighs> uh, shoved down our throats. I a I'm I am so sick of the word woke. <laughs> I mean, like, oh my goodness. There is a, there's, there's talking points to keep an eye out for. Um, as we move towards the presidential election, there's going to be a number of things. One is, um, and we've seen it already, I, we might have talked about it last week with Nikki Haley, and we saw it with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I think we're going to hear, it. we saw it. Chris Sununu said it um, in his presidential announcement, um, and others are, are going to be, you're going to hear a lot about generational change. Mm
1: -hmm. It's going to
0: be a talking point. You're going to hear from Republicans quite a bit. Generational change, trying to make, trying to make an ageist argument against Joe Biden, you know, without making it explicitly. Um, The second thing, the second talking point that we're going to hear a lot of is how liberals or progressives started the culture war. Mm. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said it in her in her response to the State of the Union. Mike Pence said it recently. You get a version of it here from Marjorie Taylor Greene. These woke culture issues shoved down our throats. Um, so the idea is, is that they're going to try to position themselves as um, – as well, we just have, you know, the, the liberals, the progressives, they're the ones who are forcing their culture on us. They're mm-hmm. started this culture war. We just, we're just trying to respond and, and defend, you know, what, what American culture has always been. It's this, it, it's a victim attitude when it comes to the culture war and trying to shift the blame. The reality is much different. It is the culture war has been waged by. By conservative uh, yeah. Republican, by the religious right, uh, those are the ones who have waged the culture war and and,
1: and picked the most vulnerable targets out there—the people that are yeah. already marginalized and ostracized on a good day—and that said, no, yeah. let's uh, let's double down and go after the trans kids, like yeah. let's make their lives harder. Yeah, Yeah, yeah so for miss sure. Miss me with the whole woke culture shoving down our throats thing yeah yeah
0: now uh, dan i i mean the obvious question and and it has an obvious answer but the question becomes will the speaker of the house do anything about this no no he's too busy tweeting about uh i don't know fentanyl Speaking of tweets, uh, Dan, you wanted to talk about this Kevin McCarthy tweet, didn't you? You, I did. You found it kind of amusing.
1: Yeah. So Kevin McCarthy is rightly concerned about fentanyl in America. We all are. It's a serious problem. We We got to figure it out. I mean, I know Hmm. people who have died from it. It's it's a rough scene. We got to figure it out. I don't think uh, Republicans are going after it in the right way. And uh, so, but I found this tweet a little, uh, a little humorous in a way. So Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, uh, says since President Biden took office, enough fentanyl has been seized at the border, seized at the border, to kill every American twenty three times. A few months ago, that number was thirteen <laughs> a, that times. Seems like a lot of fentanyl. <laughs> twenty three times. Uh, the fact is, under a under president biden every city is now a border city but what he seems to be inadvertently doing is saying wow joe biden is doing a great job of keeping fentanyl off the streets of america by seizing it at the border so i don't think this tweet is doing what he thinks it's doing yeah yeah this is
0: this is something that happens all the time on twitter and other places when when, when republicans will you know, try to criticize Joe Biden um, and end up, um, you know, praising him instead. Inadvertently, I mean, I, Dan, <laughs> I'm I'm not a big fan of Border Patrol. Yeah, but if they got to do something, like I, I'm I'm glad they're doing this. I guess,
1: right? Like, yeah. you know, this is. We, a- <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> them be doing this and getting drugs off the streets than like splitting up families and harassing mothers with yeah. little babies that have just trekked across the desert and have legally yeah. applied for asylum. So good. yeah, yeah. Glad, yeah. Listen, glad doing I'm, this. I'm not
0: in, I'm not interested in dying 23 times. And so, <laughs> you know, I just, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Good job. Yeah. Keep up the good work. And like, you know, when what we're, you, what, like, I this is so ridiculous. What do you, what do you expect, like, what is Joe Biden supposed to do? Like, invade Mexico and <laughs> stop the fentanyl right. from even getting close to the border? Yeah. Like, no, if if Border Patrol has seized this much fentanyl, hats off to him, good yeah. job. And, 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 fentanyl doesn't come in the country on the backs of individuals. It does in, not. You know, they are there's not enough fentanyl in the backpack of somebody to kill every American 23 times. Like did it's coming you, across you in Bre-
1: semi trucks. Have
0: you watched Breaking Bad? It's in <laughs> the chicken. That's what like it's yeah, you know, like that's how it's getting across. And it's like, driven it's,
1: across it's, by it's, US citizens, not undocumented yes. mothers. Yes.
0: For instance, the uh did you hear the uh, the story about um one of the founders of the proud boys or the oath keepers I can't remember which one of the January 6 guys um, who was about to go on trial for um, for January 6th and in his uh, uh, the crimes he committed that day and um, he he also was about to go on trial for carrying fentanyl across the border classic and uh, sadly he he killed himself be- right before his trial began um Jeez. which is why it was in the news but like that's who was carrying fentanyl right
1: it's not these vulnerable people that are wanting a better life and need yeah. our help
0: yeah. yeah yeah so hey thanks Kevin McCarthy for highlighting the great job that Joe Biden's doing <laughs> exactly
1: but speaking yeah. of immigration I wanted to get into this as well yeah. cuz it is sort of tied in in that Republicans want to lump all immigration together. So in January, Biden rolled out this new visa program for uh, people from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, and as well as uh, those from Ukraine, sort of this special visa program. And uh, so I've got a friend in Haiti, actually, that I'm trying to sponsor through this visa program so that he and his family can come here because Haiti is essentially a failed state. They have no elected uh, officials in power anymore. They have no president. They have no elections coming up. Uh, the city is run by gangs. Food is hard to get. Uh, gasoline is super expensive. It's just a, a really bad scene there. And so a lot of people have been trying to get out for a long time, which is why we've seen people you know crossing in boats into Mexico and then trying to cross the border and seek asylum that way. Well, Biden offered this new visa program so that 30,000 people from each of these countries can come a month, um, which I think is a great thing. This is a legal way for people to enter our country, people that want our help and need our help. And uh, surprise, surprise, 20 Republican led States, including Texas and Florida are asking a Texas judge to kill a humanitarian parole program that allows people fleeing war crisis and poverty in these countries. So, again, Republicans, it's... The argument I always hear is why won't people come here the right way, the legal yep. way? Why won't they wait in line and do the right thing? And here we've created a way for people to legally come here. We've set limits. You know, 30,000 people from each of these countries. That's nothing. And we've got tons of room in America for for people like this. Um, But Republicans don't even want this. They don't want people from these countries. Uh, They seem to be okay with welcoming Ukrainian refugees. And so uh, it's tough to put a finger on what the what the difference
0: what could it it be what 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 could be the difference between someone coming refugee coming from ukraine and a refugee coming from i don't know cuba haiti nicaragua or venezuela what 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 could it be dan what could it
1: be i don't don't know reminds me of the church lady from snl Mm -hmm. could it be satan Mm -hmm. could it be racism
0: yeah, I no, 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 no. It can't be that. I mean, the difference can't be the color of their skin. Can't be. No. Yeah, but this wow. is really frustrating. And, I've and, got- I mean, do we, I, this the the note that you've got up here on the screen for those of you that are watching along on YouTube um, or uh, or social media or wherever. I don't even know where we're where we head out on on all this when we do this live. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are we are we on YouTube? We're Can back we on, on YouTube. YouTube.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: thank you, YouTube. No conspiracy theories being <laughs> talked about today. The little note that you've got up here says that uh, this this lawsuit is being led by Texas and Florida. Not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, could we guess the other eighteen states?
1: <laughs> 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 my,
0: my my guess is that they might be the same states that would be a part of the. Uh, the, uh, the Confederate Taylor States of Marjorie Taylor Greene.
1: Green. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The Venn so. diagram is a circle. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Uh, well, listen, I want, there's, there's some news that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. News that is not yet news. Uh, there's been an announcement at about, about an announcement. And, uh, and that is that uh, Marianne Williamson is um, planning an important announcement in March. And, uh, the announcement about the announcement is that Marianne Williamson is going to run for president once again, and uh in primary Joe Biden in the Democratic primary. I'm almost you know, ninety-nine point nine percent confident of this fact. Um Marianne Williamson author, um advocate for social justice, um, you know, really a an interesting lady who's got a fantastic like a, a really fascinating perspective on the world and, um, you know, I, I find this interesting. She is, um, she is pretty adamantly anti-war and, uh, and probably I think much of her motivation <laughs> is, uh, is, um, you know, her being, I, I'm speculating on this. I, I've only met Marianne a couple of times and I, I, I don't know her. Um, though she has been on the vote common good bus. Um, wow. Doug knows her better than, uh, than uh, uh than i do um i i think she's motivated by a strong anti-war um motivation and a uh, a desire to see the united states less engaged in the conflict in in ukraine um but marian announcing that she's going to announce this run uh, is interesting to me um because from a historical perspective, I want to, I want to kind of walk you through some history, Dan, and see if you know this. Uh, just kind of recent history of presidential re-election attempts. Mm. Okay, a president running for re-election. Um, Nineteen seventy-six, President Gerald Ford runs for re-election. He is challenged in the primary by the. Governor of California, Ronald Reagan. He defeats Ronald Reagan, but he loses the general election to Jimmy Carter. 1980, Jimmy Carter running for re election faces a primary challenge from Massachusetts Senator Ted Kennedy. He defeats Ted Kennedy in the primary, but loses to Ronald Reagan. 1984, Ronald Reagan running for re election does not face a primary challenge. He wins re-election. 1988, George W. Bush, running for re-election, faces a primary challenge from Pat Buchanan, a political commentator, and uh, he wins the primary, loses the general election. 1996, Bill Clinton, running for re-election, does not have a primary challenge, wins re-election. 2004, George W. Bush running for president, running for re-election, does not have a primary challenge, wins re-election. 2012, Barack Obama runs for re-election, does not have a primary challenge, wins re-election. 2020, Donald Trump runs for re-election, has a primary challenge from uh, former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld, wins the primary, loses re-election.
1: See a pattern here, Dan? Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, even if you fend off the attack from inside your own party, the damage is done in a lot of ways. Like that infighting. Well,
0: it it could be. I I don't know if there's like a if this is a correlation or a causation kind of thing. Like, is do you have a primary challenge because you're weak and you're going to lose anyways? Hmm. Or yeah. Does the primary challenge weaken you? Now, the question becomes with Marianne Williamson is, you know, obviously every year there are hundreds of people who run for president who are not serious. Um, and you could even say, well, Pat Buchanan wasn't serious. You know, Ronald Reagan, Ted Kennedy, certainly serious. Pat Buchanan, Bill Weld, they're not, they're, these weren't serious. But right. They, yeah, they were serious in their own realm. Does Marianne Williamson rise to the level of, even a Bill Weld in terms of challenging Donald Trump to garner enough attention, enough momentum? Um, or is she like, you know, an asterisk in history that we won't even remember? Um, you know, sometime in the future when some other podcaster or whatever, you know, when the AI in the future is explaining this, they like they would even say, Well, Joe Biden didn't have a primary challenge, you know, because Marianne Williamson isn't a serious candidate. I don't know. I don't know which it is. If Marianne Williamson is a serious challenge, um, to Joe Biden, history is not on his side.
1: Yeah. Do you think this also opens the door for other primary challengers to Biden? Do you see it anybody may. willing to? Yeah, it it may.
0: Um, it would have to come from outs like someone like Marianne, who's outside of the establishment. Like I, you know, Gavin Newsom isn't going to do it. Um, you know, I. I don't. Right. I don't know. I. It feels like it would have to be somebody kind of coming out of you know, no pun intended here, left field, um, far left and, field, even yeah, far left field, <laughs> the other field, like just <laughs> over the fence and way up. And I, you know, I don't know. I. I don't know. I can't. I can't envision who that person is right now. Um, like I. I think if you had said, okay, who's most likely to primary Joe Biden? my bet probably would have been Marianne Williamson, <laughs> you know, like I think she fits that role. The question becomes, is it, will she be a serious enough contender to, you know, either Make to highlight thing. the weaknesses yeah. that exists or, or not. And uh, yeah. So I just, I wanted to bring a little bit of that history cause I found it super yeah. fascinating when I got thinking about like, Oh my goodness, there's a pattern here that if a sitting president gets a primary challenge, Uh, it doesn't bode well. And it goes back further. I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, Lyndon Johnson, there's, I mean, there's other examples going back Mm -hmm. um, that when this happens, um, it's, it's not a good sign.
1: Yeah. And yeah, Biden hasn't officially announced one way or the other, right. But we're working under the assumption that he's just going again.
0: Yeah. I think, I think everything indicates that including, you know, the, the trip he made um, to the Ukraine, Dan to Ukraine. I need to drop the the right. Dan, did you see this that the uh, President Biden ended up in Ukraine? I did. I love it. Yeah.
1: Do you? Yeah, I think you know this yeah. is just classic leadership. Like you show up where you need to show up, and yep. you know it doesn't physically change much. But when you, you know, go through the effort and certain amount of risk and secrecy and logistics involved, I think it just shows that you care enough to, to be there. I think that's, yeah. that's one of the most important jobs of a president is just to be that visible leader. And-
0: yeah, we always talk about the optics and, you know, the optics need to look good and, you know an image of Joe Biden, you know, in his, in his cool aviator sunglasses, shaking hands with, uh, with president Zelensky, um, you know, in, in Kiev and you're like, that's the optics are good, right? Like it's just, okay. Okay. This is, uh, this is a guy who's not scared who, and, and that's, you know, the, the vibe I get from Joe Biden um, is that you know he's just he's he's seen it all. He's not he's he, what he lacks in being articulate, he makes up for with like I don't know moxie. You know he's yeah. just he's un he's he's un un uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? He's unflappable. You know he's just like yeah mm-hmm. it's, yeah I can do this. I can I can go. Go do this, and and he comes off. Um, it, it comes off well. He plays it well, and uh, so yeah, I was glad to see him over there as well. Um, it feels more and more like this war is, um, I don't know, on the brink of spinning out of control. Yeah, saw a headline no, today that, that yeah, saw a headline today that Putin uh, is suspending a like nuclear treaty that Russia is a part of, and.
1: And then there's talks of like China supplying weapons to Russia. That would be an escalation like that. Yeah. Don't love that.
0: Yeah. Troublesome for sure. But Joe Biden is there on the ground having the type of of meetings that uh, you hope a president will have. And Mm -hmm. and that's real good.
1: Yeah. Adrian in the chat um, had this question a little earlier. Would love to hear her perspective talking about Marianne Williamson on what to do about Putin. I think this Mm. is a, it's a big question. Like what do we do when there's a bully in the world that is killing other people in other countries and taking, taking parts of their country? Like how do you stop this when you've used all the uh, financial resources at your disposal? Yeah. And uh,
0: that's a, that's a fair question. I think here in the United States, we have totally bought into the myth of redemptive violence. We think that everything is a Liam Neeson movie or a (laughs) Tom Cruise movie where like, okay, violence has, has taken place. The only way for me to deal with it is increasingly escalated violence in response. And... And we've bought into the myth of redemptive violence that violence is the means of redemption, and you know it's it's the you know talk softly and carry a big stick. It's the
1: then uh, it's the whole you know, genre of superhero movies now is like the morally gray hero that has to do some bad stuff to save yeah. the world.
0: Yeah, but it's justified because it's saving the world. Yeah, and I and that's not to say that violence is is. Never necessary. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know that. I would like to say that it's not ever necessary, but I, I don't know that. My concern is how, quick, like how quickly we don't even grapple with the question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We just run immediately to a violent solution. Well, and, especially uh, when
1: the violence is carried out and perpetrated against people that we will never have contact with. Yeah. So it's way easier to say like let's escalate things over there as long as it means my gas prices continue to drop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's a a huge, huge question that um, that that needs to be that needs to be really creatively thought about. Like how do you deal with a bully on on the global stage in a way that is morally, ethically and humanely appropriate. That's, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. Now, Alex asked a question in the chat about, you know, if Biden chooses not to run, who would be the best candidate for these times to win against the MAGA candidate? Um, you know, I think, I think if, if Joe Biden does not run for reelection, I fully expect Gavin Newsom, the the governor of California to be the democratic nominee. Hmm. Um, and uh, and then we get the the Florida California fight that uh, you know seems like everybody's <laughs> been everybody's been jonesing for, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But I don't know, Dan. Do you have any other thoughts beyond that?
1: I mean, I because I'm from South Bend and have a soft spot for my former mayor Pete Buttigieg. I would love to see him run again, and I think he will eventually. I just don't know if it's going to be this time around just yeah, we, smart we competent head. people i'll take any smart competent kind person yeah. that wants to do some good Yep. Yeah.
0: well I'm gonna do some good in the world today i'm gonna try to bide my time until two o'clock when i uh when i head towards uh tulsa oklahoma and uh to see the goodness of the e street band mm. and uh and bruce springsteen and uh yeah so that's that's what my day looks like dan that's Hopefully, gonna be a uh,
1: way better day than me I mean, my day's gonna be <laughs> fine. Don't get me wrong, but that's gonna be a top tier day. Sing along yeah. with uh, "Born to Run" for me, just as loud yeah. as you can.
0: Well, I will. Hey, Alex, Annie, Kimberly, Bob, Adrian, Carol, Maria, Kimberly. Asking Doug. Doug is missing. Yeah, Doug is. Have you seen him? Doug is missing. <laughs> um, we
1: actually just put him on
0: mute. Martin lindy yeah doug's here we're making him listen today uh james all these folks thanks for thanks for being along with us and participating in the chat we 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 love having you be a part of this and uh plans for tomorrow dan are you uh are you uh i was just gonna gonna say annie in
1: the chat uh had a great comment it was violence how this country was overtaken from those who lived here it's the way of those who use the name of god violence is justified so spot on our own history is riddled with that this myth of redemptive violence yeah for sure uh but for the rest of the week i think we are we're podcasting uh from wherever doug ends up so assuming he has functional internet
0: all right well we will uh we will see you tomorrow with uh dan and fingers crossed doug as well have a great day everybody bye